0: The following podcast episode contains graphic depictions of violence, violence involving minors and children, gore, and murder. Please use discretion when listening.
1: Hey guys, welcome back to the Randomverse podcast. I'm your co-host, Haley.
0: I'm your other co-host, Amber.
1: So, um, before we get into the case for today, I just want to do a little chit-chat, a little, you know, quality of life chat. It's snowing outside. A lot. And if you guys don't know, we live in the United States South. Yes. It doesn't snow here maybe once every four years. (laughs) But now it has snowed twice in the past, like... Four months, mm-hmm. and this time it's really bad because it's affecting all of the US. All
0: of the US. I, somebody told us earlier that it's actually as cold as Alaska in Tennessee right now. Yeah, that's like insane. It's crazy to think about. But uh, yeah, I mean, like, if you guys have to
1: get out and drive in this weather, please be careful. If you don't know how to drive in this weather,
0: maybe avoid driving at all. I know for our particular area, they're literally telling people do not get on the road, even if you think that you know. How to drive in this weather?
1: Yeah, because we are not equipped with enough salt trucks we to salt not. all the roads. They so. have
0: they have a few places that they put in salt that they put salt down, but literally they're they've been posting pictures of accidents that they've had to respond to and be like, just please don't, just mm-hmm. don't even try it right now.
1: Because like it's not even like ourselves that we have to worry about on the road; it's other people. Yeah, like I know some people who will be total idiots driving in the driving in this weather. Right. So if you guys are going out, please be safe, or just
0: don't go out at all. And. If you are ordering food from places like DoorDash or Grubhub or Postmates or whatever service that you use, please, 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 number one, be patient with your drivers. Remember that they also have to keep themselves safe, and I promise you they've got their heater blasting, so your food is more than likely going to be warm, um, and they're just trying to be as careful as possible for their own safety, so please just be patient with them, and also make sure that you're tipping them really well um, I know especially with DoorDash there's a lot of people that don't seem to realize that they don't make a livable wage directly from DoorDash um, they depend a lot on tips so um, definitely tip them well uh, a general rule that most people tend to use is a dollar per mile Mm-hmm. Uh, up to a certain number of miles Depending how far away they are from you Or how far away you are from a restaurant I would even give them extra Just because of what all else they're having to go through So if you absolutely must order food If you don't have anything in your house That you can eat Then please just make sure you're at least tipping well And being patient
1: Yeah, I think that's all we needed to chit chat
0: so. about mm-hmm. um, We're going to get right into the story So today we are doing a true crime episode. True Crime Mondays is what we're gonna call it. True Crime Mondays and Paranormal Thursdays.
1: So this time I did the research for this true crime. We're kind of swapping back and forth on what we do research on just to kind of even out the load and give both of us a chance to really speak on what we're interested and passionate about. Right,
0: because we're both interested in both things. So doing it this way, it's gonna be like you know, today we'll Haley, Haley will do the true crime Thursday I'll do the paranormal and then next week Monday I'll do the true crime and Thursday Haley will do the paranormal and, and so on and so forth so yeah I think it'll give us a really good chance to both speak on things that we're interested in because we're, we're both interested in pretty much the same things so yeah, yeah. today Haley's going to be in the driver's seat so once again kids you need to buckle up um, you heard the content warning in the beginning so now is your chance to if you need to Um, sign off if you don't want to pursue the rest of this podcast, but if you are, uh, sit back, grab a warm drink, and snuggle up with your blanket or your pet, whoever you got with you, and uh, let's jump into it. Okay, so today's
1: case I actually discovered years ago. I was googling like lesser known true crime stories cuz like I kept doing the same thing on true crime podcasts and I was like I want to hear something different. I want to like read about something different. So I found this and since I found this on the internet, like other podcasts have started doing it cuz I think they've also been trying to find things that are lesser known. Um but this one really hit me hard because um it occurred on my birthday in like 2000 in 2006 and uh I don't know, I just really like put into, put into pers- perspective that like, other people do exist.
0: <laughs> other people exist, and you never know what, what somebody else through. is going. Like, it's a very happy day for you, but it could be somebody else's absolute tragedy.
1: Mm-hmm. So we're gonna talk about the Richardson family murders in Medicine Hat, Canada. Doing a Canadian case today.
0: Let's go, Canada.
1: So the Richard the Richardson family was a normal, happy, typical family. Um, They lived in Medicine Hat, Canada, which is a fairly small community. It only has about sixty thousand people, so fairly small. Uh, And the violent crime rate of this community is very small. Like, like they have like petty crimes, like drugs, uh, traffic violations. You know, maybe some fights that they have to break up, but like you don't really have murders. Um happening in this community so this whole um like what transpired on this day really shook the community and in the entire nation of canada because of the nature of the crime so it occurred on april 23rd 2006 which i said like that like that was my birthday and i was turning eight years old and the family that was affected was it was a family of four you have mark the father deborah the mom tyler uh sorry Jasmine, the daughter, and Tyler, the son, and the Tyler, uh, Tyler was also eight whenever this took place. So it really like connected because I was also eight years old. Um, so the morning of April twenty third, two thousand and six, one of Tyler's friends came over to see if Tyler could play. The friend knocked at the door, didn't get a response, which was unusual because even if the if like the rest of him was asleep, the mom was usually awake, like just getting things ready, like ready for the day. It's just like she was like a morning person um so whenever he didn't get a response he thought it was weird so he looked through a window that that looked into the basement and I'm sure what this child saw I don't know if he quite grasped what he saw but if he did I can't imagine how it affected him um he saw the body of Deborah Richardson lying still in the basement so he immediately ran home told his mom that like hey, Tyler's mom is laying in her basement. She, she wasn't moving. No one's answering the door. So his mom, of course, she called the police. Inspector Brent Sinkondiak arrived at the scene. I hope I said that right. He was a lead investigator. He arrived on the scene. They did a search of the house and they found the bodies of Mark and Deborah in the basement. Deborah had been killed first, it seemed. Um, and She had been stabbed at least a dozen times. Wow. That's a lot. Um, And Mark, uh, it seemed like he was trying to fight back, uh, because there's a screwdriver laying next to his hand. But he had been overpowered, and he was stabbed to death as well. And upstairs, they found the body of eight-year-old Tyler in his bedroom. Uh, He was found in his bed that was soaked in blood, and his throat was slashed.
0: That's brutal, man. very brutal brutal for such a young kid to have to go through that too
1: i can't imagine like the fear that he was feeling
0: Uh. it's awful
1: so the richardson's 12 year old daughter jasmine was missing from the home so the police immediately released a statement that they were searching for jasmine and they said and i quote regarding a serious family matter and they sent on amber alerts looking for jasmine thinking that she had possibly been kidnapped um, Inspector Brent uh, Sikondiak is even quoted saying, "It wasn't. It wasn't even in the realm of possibility that she was an accused. So, like, they didn't even think that she was involved in what happened to her family.
0: Right. Which why would you? It's the twelve-year-old daughter. Who, right. Who would think that she would have anything to do with not only the murder of her parents, but the murder of her eight-year-old little brother. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, um, that thought of Jasmine did not last very long, unfortunately. The police soon un- uh, uncovered a digital trail of evidence that led to Jasmine and her 23 year old boyfriend, Jeremy. Uh, they exchanged m- messages on a website called
0: vampirefreaks.com, which I looked it up. It no longer exists. No, but I, I want to say, and I can't say this for certain because this was such a long time ago, but I want to say that I was at one point on this same exact site. Mm hmm which is crazy crazy to think about a connection with this case so the
1: messages read uh do you want to read for jeremy sure there's only two messages that i could find that were published public made public um jasmine i have this plan it begins with me killing them and ends with me living with you
0: jeremy payment my lover's rents are totally unfair they say they really care They don't know what is going on, they just assume. As their greed continues to consume, she is slowly going insane. She continues to think that I came into her life to help her out and to stop what they keep trying to shout. It's all total bullshit. Their throats I want to slit. They will regret the shit they have done, especially when I see to it that they are gone. They shall pay for their insolence. Finally, there shall be silence. Their blood shall be payment.
1: So those are very intense and uh, incriminating, very messages. incriminating. Um, and you might be asking, uh,
0: like Jeremy's wording
1: is very weird.
0: It's it's almost like he's trying to write her poetry mm-hmm. while talking about murdering her parents. Yes, and it
1: almost sounds like he's trying to talk as if he's older than he is yeah it's like he's only 23 li- growing up in like the early 2000s late 90s yeah but he's using terms that one who didn't know much about it would think that people would talk like in the, like the 18 1700s
0: right well like a vampire because i'm sure that's what he kind of pictured himself as right
1: so a little insight on jasmine and jeremy they met at a punk rock show um and before meeting jeremy jasmine was described as a happy extroverted girl However, after meeting Jeremy, she did a total 180. She began deep diving into the punk goth lifestyle. She became a member of the Vampire Freaks website, where her screen name was Runaway Devil, and she claimed to be 15. She described herself as wicked nocturnal, awkward and insane. She also said she was into dark poetry, criminal psychology, blood, kinky shit, in human anatomy she started wearing dark makeup which made her look older than she was and i've seen pictures there's there's only like a few pictures available of her at this age but she does not look 12 i don't know if i've shown you a picture or not
0: no but i can imagine because at this time it was i don't want to call it a trend but a lot of younger girls were purposefully making themselves look older and this was when Girls were really starting to figure out how to do that, you Mm -hmm. know, like, with things like makeup and and the clothes that they would wear. I had friends that were at this age and would um, dress up and put dark makeup up and stuff on, which was really, for me, just I liked that stuff. But for them, it was a way to get attention from older boys, so... Even without makeup on, she does not. Yeah, this is what she looks look like. Twelve. She, her. she literally looks like she could be sixteen. I think she least. could
1: look at least seventeen or eighteen. Yeah. Um, I mean, literally. But yeah, so she she did not look twelve years old. So it was very easy for her to pass as older. Um, now Jeremy's home life and upbringing was not as wholesome and happy as Jasmine's. Jeremy's mother was an alcoholic, and his biological father. Wasn't in the picture. He was nowhere to be found. However, his mother's partner frequently abused him. He was also bullied at school. And by the time that Jamie turned 13, he had created an elaborate persona as a 300-year-old werewolf.
0: Oh, he's a werewolf man, not a vampire man.
1: Yes. And he he claimed to be 300 years old. So, like, in the message earlier, he tried to use wording to make it sound like he was from a different century, a different different era. Um... And he also started wearing a vial of blood around his neck. And I saw in one source, I don't know if it was true, but I saw in one source that whenever he met Jasmine, uh, he swapped the blood out for her. So, like, she gave him some of her blood. Really? Mm-hmm. But I only heard it in one source, so I'm not sure if it's 100% it's true. But, like, it would it would kind of make sense yeah, with what they were into. Um, He also had an account on VampireFreaks.com, And he listed his interest as scarification, pain, kinky fetishes, blood, and razor blades. Jasmine's parents obviously did not approve of this relationship, not only because of the 11-year age difference, but also because of the increasingly dark interest of their daughter that
0: they rightly so attributed to the negative influence of Jeremy. Definitely. I think... Because it's one thing to be into darker things. It's a whole other to have that manipulated into something that would cause you to want to do something like this. Mm -hmm. Like, what happened?
1: Yeah, like, it's it's one thing to be into, like, kinky stuff or, like, BDSM. But it's another thing to... I don't know how to word it, but... To
0: literally want to... Cause
1: harm. And kill people. Yeah. I mean... Like, it's a totally different thing. Um so whenever jasmine's parents like forbade her to see him and that's when they began planning her family's murder um and uh in a later interview she was asked like why she killed her brother too and she said quote it was too cruel to leave him without parents end quote
0: i can't that also just kind of tells us the outlook that she now had on the world as itself at this point because it says before she met him she was energetic and outgoing which means she probably had a pretty good outlook on life but after meeting him and being with him and and listening to him she's now saying that the world is too cruel to leave her brother without parents in it
1: Mm -hmm. and also like she's 12 years old so she's very impressionable i remember Mm -hmm. being 12 thinking i was a grown up Um, You're not when you're 12. You almost (laughs) think you are a god. Yes. Um, And I remember whenever an older guy would creepily have interest in me, I thought it was like the best thing in the world. Like I wanted, I wanted that attention because I, because like, it's like, oh, an older guy's into me. Like I'm going to do anything to keep his attention.
0: It almost made you feel like you had some kind of power, power, like you were powerful. But in reality, you're, you're becoming powerless to that person. Mm hmm. It's just really sad whenever little girls get, like, stuck. Yeah, they get manipulated and used by older guys. So, back to the uh, investigation.
1: The next day, Jasmine was found in... I'm gonna butcher this name. Saskatchewan. uh, Saskatchewan, Canada, which is about 81 miles from Medicine Hat. She was found with her 23-year-old boyfriend, Jeremy... uh, And they showed no remorse for what they had just done. They were found kissing, cuddling, and laughing in Jeremy's truck. Which, a lot of people would look look at that and be like, oh, she showed no remorse for killing her family. But also, at the same time, it probably hadn't hit her what she had done Mm -hmm. or what had happened.
0: And she's on a lover's high right now. Mm -hmm. She's finally able to run away with this guy that she's so in love with.
1: And Jeremy's probably, like, talking her up. Mm -hmm. And it's like, she probably has... It probably is not... Hit her which but what has happened
0: not to mention after reading their the two messages that we have it's very clear that he saw her parents as abusive and that they were abusing her and he probably truly convinced her that that is what what was true is that she was being abused by her parents Mm -hmm. and so having now gotten rid of them she's free from that abuse
1: so they were uh quickly arrested and even while in jail, they continued to write letters to each other, and Jeremy actually proposed to Jasmine, and she she accept, she accepted. They also bragged about the murders and referred to themselves as le- as quote legends and immortal. On May third, one of Jeremy's friends, nineteen-year-old Casey Lancaster, was also arrested and charged as an accessory to murder for driving Jeremy and Jasmine in her car so they could dispose of evidence. The charges were dropped eventually, and she only received uh, a year of house
0: arrest. See, that, it does not sit right with me. How did this, how did this 19 year old? It it doesn't make sense why she would want to help them.
1: I mean, to me, that just kind of speaks on like the kind of friend group that Jeremy had. Like, they probably all were, like, thought this and thought thought the same things.
0: I almost wonder if she didn't think it was real. Because I know it, at least for my friend group and other friend groups that I knew of on the internet, this was a time where you would pretend to be doing these kinds of things and, like, kind of, like, RPGing in a way. Mm Mm-hmm. So, like, you would talk it up and say that you did this stuff, but, like, in your brain, it doesn't click that anybody could be doing it for real. Right. So, I almost wonder if this 19-year-old just didn't think that it was actually real. And that could explain why charges were dropped, because she might have, you know, used the defense of, I didn't think that they had actually done it, I didn't think it was serious, I thought it was a prank, you know, things like that. Yeah. But.
1: Because, like, it's, it's two different things to have a dark interest and murder and possibly committing these acts and compared to actually doing it. Right. And, like, believing that it's okay.
0: Or, like, believing that. It, it, it just makes me think that maybe she didn't actually know. Especially since, so the murders happened April 23rd. April 24th is when they found Jasmine and Jeremy. They didn't arrest this girl until May 3rd. Yeah. So that makes me think that...
1: Either Jasmine or uh, Jeremy brought her into it. So like, oh, well, she
0: helped us dispose of evidence. But she didn't even know that that was what she was helping them do. Right. But again, we don't know. This is just me speculating. Mm -hmm. So the trials begin.
1: Um, Jasmine's trial began in June of 2007. She was called JR during the trial to protect her identity as a minor. And I don't think that Jasmine is even her real name. I think they give Jasmine and Tyler different names because they are minors. So, I don't think that's actually her real name, but I'm not sure. It's possible. Um, she said on the stand that she was in a zombie-like state and that Jeremy had been the one who killed her family and that she had only been joking about wanting to kill her family. Which, I mean, I could see that as being the truth.
0: Right, like I said earlier, like, a lot of the time is you you basically talked shit and gassed yourself up, but nobody thought you were actually serious about anything.
1: Mm -hmm. And so, Jasmine was found guilty on three counts of first-degree murder on July 9th, 2007. On November 8th, 2007, she was sentenced to 10 years in prison and was credited with 18 months for time already spent, like, before and during the trial- Her prison time was also to be followed by four years in a psychiatric institution and four and a half years under conditional supervision. And Jeremy's trial began in November of 2008. Uh, Witnesses testified that the two had admitted to the murders and one witness recounted that Jeremy had said that the family had been quote, gutted like fish. Witnesses also said they had seen Jasmine and Jeremy laughing and kissing at a restaurant like the night that they had committed the murders. When asked why he killed the Richardsons, he said, when you found your soulmate, you you would do anything for
0: them. I did anything. Basically trying to say that I he was did so it all in love. for her. I was, was so this, in love. This was all for this 12-year-old girl that I'm in love with.
1: Mm. Almost like twisting the roles. Almost saying as like he was the one who was under her spell. He was the one who got dragged into her. That he would do anything to keep her. Because right. she had all this power. Which is what older men do whenever they show interest mm-hmm. in a young person. His lawyers argued that jeremy was in an alcohol and drug-fueled haze when he quote snapped they also described him as a love-struck, immature man who would do anything to keep the preteen girl's attention again so, literally swapping the roles um jeremy was of course found guilty on three counts of first degree murder and on december 15th 2008 since he was 25 he was sentenced to three life sentences and he was—he would be eligible for, for parole after 25 years.
0: So, I wonder if their defense from the beginning was to try to twist it and say that he was being controlled by her, or if they changed it after she was found guilty in her trial, because she did go to trial before he did.
1: Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. Um, there was very little research like I used the same articles over and over again like scouring like making
0: sure I had all the information well I'm sure that there's not a lot out there because there's I mean number one one of the defendants was a minor and it's still relatively recent Mm -hmm. so hopefully they'll release some things in the future and we'll get to know more about exactly what happened during trial because it doesn't sound like they've really told us a whole lot you know
1: well i mean i don't even know if there was a lot to the trials because they had all the information they needed so like jasmine went to trial in june in june of 2007 and by november she was sentenced to prison time like that's not that long for a trial compared to well this is in canada but compared to trials in america which can take up to a year to do just to
0: prepare for even
1: and jeremy's trial began in november of 2008 so like a year after and by december he was sentenced to prison that's an even shorter it's an even shorter yeah trial so i don't think there is much more i think that's the basically what happened during the trial um so, Jasmine is, is believed to be the youngest person ever convicted of a multiple, multiple murder in Canada. That's crazy. And in September of 2011, Jasmine started classes at Mount Royal University in Calgary, Alberta. And uh, this was during her last months of her prison sentence. So, whenever she was released from her 10-year prison sentence, she was sent to the psychiatric facility in the fall of 2011. And she stayed there until May 2016. So she actually spent almost five years in the psychiatric facility. Which was probably... I mean, they probably extended it because they she probably thought probably she needed, needed more it. time. Yeah.
0: Definitely probably needed it. Not only just to get her head back on straight from his manipulation, but also from the trauma of what she had just been through.
1: Like, um... That's what I love about Canada. It's like, whenever you do a Canadian case and, like, um, people are, like, given prison time, they also give them a chance to redeem themselves. So, like, they make it, for most, for, like, a lot of cases that i read, they make it mandatory to do counseling or psychiatric help.
0: Which, here in the U.S., it's... it's even no, if you really do awkward. have mental health issues, it's like, okay, whatever. You killed somebody, go rot in jail.
1: Yeah. Um, so... She has since expressed remorse for the murders and is described as a poster child for rehabilitation that the Canadian justice system feels so strongly about. And the Queen's bench justice Scott Brooker um, told her at her uh, release hearing. He said, quote, "I think your parents and brother would be proud of you. Clearly, you could not undo the past." You can only live each day with the knowledge you can control how you behave and what you do each day, end quote. So, like, a like a court justice said this to her. So, obviously, he believes that she has been changed and, like, is truly, like, sorry for
0: what she did. Personally, this is just me. Um, but I don't... It just does not feel right to me that he's saying that this is how he thinks that her family would feel i just don't think number one i don't think people should speak for the dead the dead um because you can say that you know somebody really well but at the end of the day you can't you literally can't speak for them because you only know them as well as you think you do
1: mm-hmm. yeah um, i don't agree with the part where he says her family would be
0: proud um
1: but I do agree with the rest of it. Because
0: imagine if they had survived this attack, if they hadn't died, they would still be dealing with the trauma of what she had done. And like,
1: yes, they may have supported her re- her rehabilitation,
0: but I think it. I don't think it would. They wouldn't have been proud, right? I don't think I don't, they, like they I don't think proud. it's right to say that they would have been proud of her because. She shouldn't have been in this situation to begin with, and I'm not. I'm not victim blaming her because she very much was a victim. manipulated and used by this older man. But <laughs> it, there's a difference in supporting someone's rehabilitation and being proud of them for getting through that rehabilitation when it's something that they shouldn't have had to go through in the first place. Right. Um. So she still
1: lives in Madison Hat. Which I think is probably part of her conditional supervision because, if you remember, she was required like after her four years in the psychiatric facility, she had to do a further four years of conditional supervision, which I guess would kind of be like parole, on, on some degree. So I feel like staying in Medicine Hat is probably part of that.
0: I I would imagine that there is still some family in Medicine Hat that probably
1: took the her in
0: and, you know, took, basically took responsibility for being her supervisors while she's still finishing out what her sentence was. Because it's hard for me to picture just neighbors and community members. Not that they wouldn't have anything to do with it, but for them just being her sole supervisors just mm-hmm. doesn't make sense. I also, I don't know if I could, like, <clears throat> the reason why I think
1: that staying in medicine had as part of her th- supervision I couldn't imagine someone killing their whole family, going to prison, being rehabilitated, and wanting to go back. To that same place. To the same place. Like, I don't really... Like, maybe she does want to stay there, but I don't see that as something that, like, like someone would do.
0: I mean, when you look at other cases, most of the time, when... Even if it's just a survivor of the family, not even someone who was directly involved in, like, the, the said attack... They'll move away because it it takes the whole town for them. They can't be in that town without thinking about what happened to the people they loved. So it makes sense to want to move away and get away. But for her, it's kind of like, you have to finish out your sentence here. So I wouldn't be surprised if after, if after finishing this out, she just chooses to leave.
1: Well, that was in May of 2016. So her con- conditional supervision should have ended last year in Mm -hmm. 2020 but um i haven't heard any updates on that if we do have any i'll give it in a later episode um so so some of her old neighbors even agreed that jasmine quote should be given a second chance because they probably knew who she was before she met jeremy and they want to see her as that person again
0: now if the judge had said something like that that I could agree with saying I think your family would want you to have a second chance versus I think your family would be proud of you yes. that that's kind of like where I'm coming from mm-hmm. so I, yeah I agree with the neighbors on that one
1: um however a woman named Sue England who I believe is a resident of Medicine Hat and knew the family she told the CBC quote how will she continue on with her life with that being a part of her past life I have a sympathy for her, but you can't imagine anybody doing something like that. Which I think that's how a lot of people felt. Yeah. And a lot of people still feel.
0: Because again, it's it's something that's near impossible to wrap your mind around. Like, how do, how do you do that to people who raised you and a brother that you love? Like, how, how does that happen? But also, this is coming from people who may not understand... The situation she was in. Exactly. And, and how powerful manipulation can be from an older person to a younger person, especially someone who is underage. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, She's been asked in, like, interviews since, like, why they committed the murders, and she said, quote, I loved him so much, I thought it would bring us closer together.
0: End quote. Uh, See, I really think that he had her convinced that she was being abused, and that if she would let him take care of the problem, that they would be much happier Mm -hmm. without her family being in the way. And I'm I'm speaking from like his perspective, right? So,
1: um, she uh she's had a name change since. Um, I did very little looking and to see if I could find sh- like what her name is now. I couldn't find anything. I don't want to dig any won't. deeper.
0: It's probably sealed, to be honest. Yeah, I'm
1: like I did just like a very brief like search, and I don't think anybody else tried to go searching for this. Like, just leave her alone, let her live her life
0: like let her finish recovering because i'm sure she's still she's trying still to recover
1: yeah so jeremy has also changed his name to jackson may and he has tried to appeal his sentence many times and every time he has failed and he won't be eligible for parole until 2033
0: and hopefully he never gets it
1: yeah like where has maybe like yes he was a victim of abuse as a child and of bullying And I feel like, to some degree, he truly did believe that he was this 300-year-old werewolf, or that... I feel like he did have a very twisted view
0: on reality. He was probably stuck in the fantasy that he wanted his life to be. Yes,
1: and that's what led him to murder a whole family and not feel remorse for it. So, like, to some degree, I do feel like he didn't really... Like I said, he has a very skewed... View of reality. Well, when, when he probably you're... didn't realize that he had actually murdered people.
0: Well, n- what I think, when you are raised in a in an abusive environment, especially if you are still very young, which he was, he was twenty three years old, so that's still pretty young. He probably still had, like you said, a skewed version of what reality was, and I know kind of from personal experience that when you're coming out of an abusive situation you can view everything as abusive Mm -hmm. because you don't know what to trust and to believe um because he he had his mom who i'm sure cared for him at least somewhat but then had the mom's partner that was abusing him so she
1: was also an alcoholic so so she was probably
0: an absent mom at the very least absent if not also sometimes contributing directly to his abuse mm-hmm. so he probably saw anything that would cause somebody else to be oh, god i hate my parents so much they're so awful to me he would perceive that as oh she's in an abusive situation as well so i not, need to get her out not here. as a preteen complaining that her parents took her phone right because he doesn't he doesn't have that normal perception because it's been skewed by his abuse. So I I do think that he full well knew what he was doing when he was killing her parents and didn't didn't he go up there and actually kill the brother? Did we talk about that part? We didn't
1: talk about it. Um there are conflicting reports on who actually killed the brother. Some people said it was Jasmine, some people say it was Jeremy. I'm leaning more towards it being Jeremy because The brother had been found with a pillow over his face but also his throat was slashed um and so people theorized that jasmine that like um, jeremy had like they had both entered the house jeremy went to find the parents and jasmine went upstairs to her brother she was probably like talking to him for a bit and then tried to smother him with the pillow um but then jeremy was finished with the parents came upstairs and found that jasmine hadn't gone through with it or she just wasn't doing it quick enough? Or, or she just she wasn't, just strong, wasn't physically enough strong, to, quick, like, strong enough to smother her brother and so he was impatient
0: and just slit his throat. And see, that's where that kind of puts a stop to my perceived reality theory for him mm-hmm. because I, and this is just me personally, I could not look at a child and think oh, your life is better off if you're dead. Especially if i'm coming from the view of i killed the abusive parents so why would i then kill the child who has nothing to do with that abuse you know what i mean like yeah it's very it's very hard to figure him out completely
1: i feel like maybe to some degree the canadian court system should have given him some kind of psychiatric help
0: i i think so too i don't think that he needs to be released to society no but maybe not sit in a
1: prison for, for like, ever. Right. Either. But,
0: again, we don't know everything that he could be doing in prison. Because mm-hmm. it, it could be a matter of he continues to do violent things to others. So it may just be, like, we, for the safety of others, can't even put him in a psychiatric facility because yeah. he's so violent. You know what I mean? Like, we just don't know. So it's it's definitely a confusing and a baffling case. Um, like you can't even really wrap
1: your head around what happened. You
0: happens. really can't. Like, how does a how does a girl go from from being a bright and vibrant, strong personality type of person to this dark and could almost call her evil at the point that she was when she killed, when she contributed to the death of her parents. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to to picture how that happens but i don't think you truly can unless you've been in a somewhat similar situation and by somewhat similar i mean being in a situation where you have someone who is way older than you basically kind of gaslighting you changing your reality or in your your perception of reality to fit what their perception of reality is it, it's it's literal brainwashing mm-hmm. so yeah,
1: that's it. I'm really happy that we started this podcast. Me too. Oh, because I've been wanting to, like... Like, I've done so much research on this case, and I've been wanting to talk about it and everything for a while, because it just really hit home that, like, on April 23rd, 2006, this eight-year-old was um, murdered along with his parents. But for me, um, on April 23rd, 2006, I was celebrating my eighth
0: birthday. Right. It's, it's It definitely puts like, the worldview of what goes on into mm-hmm. perspective for you to really realize that not everyone is going through what you're going through, you know? And, um, yeah, it's definitely the heavy takes you back. I want to know what you guys think. Definitely leave us a comment on our Twitter. Um, if you have a case that's similar to this that you want us to cover, definitely email us at randomversepodcast at gmail. Because um, as heavy as these are, I think it is important to talk about these stories so that we can try to gain a better understanding of how children are manipulated to do things like this. Yeah. And how the manipulators are formed to be these types of people because it's very clear that his abuse contributed to what he did as an adult. I mean, it's definitely 100% on him. He made the choices to do those things, but it really puts into perspective how abuse shapes a person. So, yeah, I think that's gonna be it for most today, guys. Yeah. Make sure to, uh, if you like this podcast, share it with your friends, family. Um, Give you something to do during the, this winter. Snowstorm. ice ice storm, Whatever it is you're going through. Rate us on uh, iTunes. Because apparently that does something. I, I don't even know if we are on iTunes. So I w- we we should check. be. Um, We're definitely we are. on Spotify and Google Podcasts, and I think you can, you can rate us on there. So mm-hmm. you can follow us on those places as well. It basically works the same as a subscription on YouTube. I'm just get notified um, when we post a new episode. Speaking of YouTube, let us know if you guys want us to start video recording these podcasts that you can put a face to the voices that you're hearing. Yeah. Or maybe
1: even a Twitch streaming if you guys want to be there live. And oh,
0: yeah, yeah. Hailey has a Twitch channel that she Twitch gets on. Channel. She plays games like Zelda and, and Among Us and all kinds of cool stuff. So mm-hmm. definitely go check her out. We'll leave all of our personal socials in the bottom. Yeah. In yeah, the description, if, sorry. If you guys
1: want the Twitch live stream, I could definitely work it into my Twitch channel. Yeah, for
0: There's sure. Fun. For but, sure. So uh, on Thursday, yeah. uh, we'll, we'll be bringing you guys a. Paranormal.
1: And that's gonna be your That's gonna yours. be mine.
0: Yeah. That's gonna be my thing. I'm excited um, to see what you pick. Yeah, I'm gonna leave it as a surprise. So uh Surprise for me too? No, I'll tell you no, later. Okay. Just <laughs> not them. <laughs> you gotta go over the script with me. Right, right. Okay.
1: Um, but yeah, that's gonna be it. Thank you guys so much for listening.
0: We'll see you guys next time. Bye.